0: Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter six. We'll be focused in on verses 11 through 14. The what we might call the second half of the Lord's Prayer are the model prayer. Two weeks ago, we looked at the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer, which really deal with us praying for uh, for God's glory to be known on the earth, uh, praying for 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 people to do God's will on the earth, and so. It's prayers that kind of dealt with adoration of God and a desire uh, for great things to happen that uh, revolve around uh, His will and His kingdom. But this morning we want to look at the other three petitions which really more goes to our need, our personal need uh, that, that God uh, reveals in this prayer that it is absolutely... Not only is it okay to pray for our needs, but it's expected that we pray for our own needs. What we see in these three petitions is is dependence. And judging, judging from how often we make these kind of requests of God is really a great indicator of just how dependent our lives are on God. What we're going to look at this morning are prayers that should be in our lives daily. Our prayers, very similar, uh, should be in our lives daily. So Matthew chapter 6, let's go ahead and pick up the the entire Lord's Prayer with verse 9. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. And here's what we're concerning ourselves with today. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses so we want to just look at each of these three petitions individually the first thing i want us to notice and and sorry there's no no powerpoint this morning um, we are dependent on god for our physical needs verse 11 give us this day our daily bread give us this day our daily bread now, the first thing I want you to notice is, that, is God's care for the normal. Now, let's think about verse 11 in light of verse 10. In verse 10, uh, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, think about this for a moment. In one sentence, Jesus is speaking of God's worldwide glory that that God's will would be done across the earth, that His kingdom would come. And just praying a, about a huge thing. Okay? The thing that we all look to as Christians of that moment where God's glory would fill the entire earth. I mean, it's a, it's a big thing. And in the very next sentence, He tells us to pray for our daily bread. For our daily bread. Listen to me, you serve a God so powerful that He orchestrates the rise and falls of nations, but you also serve a God that is so caring that He cares about your lunch tomorrow. He cares about whether or not you have a full lunch pail to take to work tomorrow. He cares about that. The farthest sun in the farthest galaxy shines at His bidding. And the tiniest swallow does not fall from the sky without His knowledge. And yet, what does He say? And we'll look at this in a few weeks. What does He say? He says, are you not worth much more than a swallow? I mean, think about this for a moment, that that God knows the number of the stars in the sky. And He knows the number of the hairs on each of our heads. So what does this mean to us? It means that He wants to hear from you concerning everything. He wants you to pray for big things like His glory to fill the earth and go to all the nations. He wants us to pray for that. He also wants you to pray about your everyday little challenges in life like where your daily bread is going to come from big and small in your life he wants to hear about it he's big enough to hold the planets in orbit and at the same time be concerned with your daily bread isn't that awesome can you say amen to that amen that that we serve a god that is that holds up the big and holds up the small. We see also in this request that, that God's care is in the daily. It's in the daily. We are to pray for daily bread. The, the, world, uh, the word daily is important, especially when it is speaking of a nurturing of a dependence of, on God, of daily. He doesn't say... On New Year's, pray for yearly bread. He doesn't say at the first of the month, pray for monthly bread. He doesn't even say on Sunday, pray for weekly bread. The assumption is, is that you will be pouring out your needs every day. That you go be going to Him asking for daily bread. Now, understand here that when we speak of bread... We're speaking of, yes, bread, but it encapsulates everything we need for life, what is necessary for us to live and for us to serve God. And this isn't a new concept um, that God concerns himself with daily bread. We know it goes all the way back to Israel roaming in the wilderness. And what did he do? He brought manna from heaven. And what was the agreement or the, uh, what he told them to do? Go out every day and get what you need for the day. Just get what you need for that day. And if they collected more, what would happen is mold and rot and insects would infiltrate that bread and destroy it. Because God was concerned what with their dependence on him that they would believe him that that he's going to take care of them today with this bread and tomorrow he's going to give them more bread and the next day he's going to give them more bread and the next day he's going to give them more bread and so it is with this prayer is that God wants us to be dependent and trust him every day why is it so important for God for us to get this concept of of daily provision I mean Back in verse 8, Jesus says, hey, don't pray like the heathen because you're heavenly father. He already knows. He already knows what you need before you even ask him. And so we would say, we might be tempted to say, well, if he knows I need daily bread, why don't he just go ahead? Why doesn't he just go ahead and give it to me, right? Why do I have to ask for it every day? If God piled up all that we need at our, needed at our doorstep at the moment of our salvation, how would it, easy would it be for our sinful hearts to just glory in the gifts and forget the giver? I mean, how easy would it be if, if just on the day, the moment of our salvation, God just piled everything at our doorstep, this is everything you need for the Christian life, I'll see you later. We would just bask in in what He has given us instead of Him. But God knows that our greatest need in life, God knows that that our greatest joy in life is not found in what He gives us. It's not found in the daily bread that He gives us. It's found in Him. And so every day that we are able to go to Him and pray to Him, we are getting Him. We are acknowledging Him. Him, and that is what is best for us, not just His gifts. Instead of God being the means to meet our needs when we live in daily dependence, our needs become the means of us getting God. And that is always what is best. We also see here in this first petition is God's care in our necessities. So very quickly, um, notice that this is a prayer for clear necessities. It's not luxuries. Pray if you must. Like if, you, if there are things you want in your life and, and you desire them, I mean, feel free to pray for those things, but realize that there's something very different about God's request, God telling us to request what we need, what we need, the basic things we need for in life and our wants. Because the reality is is that very often what we see as our wants and needs are going to be different from what God sees as our wants and needs. And so when we pray, let us be people that pray for important and necessary things above the things we just want. The the second uh, petition of the second half of the Lord's Prayer is we are dependent on God concerning our spiritual debt. Verse 12, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now I want us to understand what kind of forgiveness this is talking about. We seek from God parental forgiveness from God. And here's what I mean by that. if the atonement is true right and it is that at the cross jesus paid the penalty for all of our sins all the sins we have committed all the sins that we will commit that god paid uh that, that jesus paid the penalty f- for those sins and at the moment of salvation we when we place our faith and trust in in jesus christ what happens is we receive forgiveness from all the sins that we've done and all the sins that we're going to do that's the atonement we are forgiven of every sin in our life but the idea here is not the atonement but the relational aspect of forgiveness and and this is what this is what the scriptures talk about when it talks about us confessing our sins to God and asking for forgiveness. For instance, if a child sins against a parent, the relationship between the, the, the parent and the child, it still exists. Right? Like, they're still your child, even though they've done wrong. They're still at that moment um, going to get any inheritance that you have for them in the will. The fact that they've done wrong doesn't uh, absolve that relationship, but it does put a strain on that relationship until confession is made and forgiveness is given. The same way you have best friend relationships and you may at times say something that offends the other, but it doesn't absolve that relationship. It's just it's something that needs to be taken care of so that relationship can stay uh, what it needs to be. This type of parental forgiveness is the type of forgiveness we seek daily from God. Not in any way downplaying the atonement. The atonement is sufficient and and we are forgiven of all of our sins, but yet God wants us every day to go to Him to confess to Him our failures and our sin. And also, right, when you you really think about what do I need to confess, it gives you an opportunity, as we'll see in a few moments, it gives you an opportunity to begin to pray uh, about getting those sins out of your life and and fighting those sins, which is very important. We also see here a very uh, kind of unique aspect of the Lord's Prayer here. The forgiveness from God should cause us to be people of forgiveness. So there's this interesting tie-in that Jesus puts in this prayer that that really doesn't exist in any of the other petitions, where he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now Jesus does not say God forgives us because we forgive others. It It just speaks of it as this, this is the natural assumption that if you have been forgiven by God, then you will be a person that forgives others. And this is such an important aspect of the prayer that when the prayer is over, Jesus goes back and revisits this one statement. We see that in verse 14 and 15. It says, After the prayer has concluded, and then he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. He doesn't, he doesn't re- revisit any other petition in the Lord's Prayer, but that one. I mean, it's, He really wants us to get the point that there is a, a huge connection between our forgiveness from God and our ability and desire to forgive others. In Matthew 18, He's going to tell a parable that is the exact same point. And I want you to turn there if you have your Bibles. Turn to Matthew 18 because I, re- I want to read this entire parable because it just backs up exactly what Jesus says here in the Lord's Prayer. I'll give you just a couple of more seconds to, to get over there. Matthew 18. A parable given in response to verse 21 um, when, when Peter asked a question. It says, then, in verse 21, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my, will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him, as many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. So Jesus' teaching here is pretty extreme. 70 times 7 times you are to forgive and he backs up what he said with this parable therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants when he began to settle one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents now I want you to understand something that is a huge huge amount of money huge um there's scholars are not totally sure but in the millions in our day and time verse 25 and since he could not pay his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. If the guy was saying, if you release me, I'll come back and I'll pay it all. Like he goes beyond that and says, no, we're just going to forgive it. We're going to forgive that debt. Verse 28. But when that same servant went out, he found uh, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now again, we don't know exactly how much that is, but many scholars, I mean, that's like almost the price of a Happy Meal. This isn't much money at all. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe! So his his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, should you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my Heavenly Father would do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is a ridiculous parable. I mean, the the, the stakes and the money involved here, it's ridiculous because this man owes a fortune and the servant says you're forgiven and then he goes out and his buddy that owes him just a tiny bit of money he refuses to forgive that debt now what Jesus is saying in the Lord's Prayer and what he is saying in this parable are the same those that have encountered the wonderful forgiveness of God will in turn be people that freely offer forgiveness to others those that tend to not offer forgiveness to others are those who have never known the wonderful forgiveness of god it is important for you to examine your life not that you bat a thousand at forgiveness not that not that you bat not, not that you're perfect in forgiveness there may be moments that you've had a lot of difficulty forgiving. But do you generally offer forgiveness? Do you, or do you hold grudges? It is an important diagnostic question from the Scriptures concerning whether or not you have known the forgiveness of God. What is it like to be married to you? When your spouse asks for forgiveness and admits wrong, do you hold that grudge in the depths of your heart or do you let it go because you say, Christ has forgiven me, how could I possibly refuse forgiveness for someone that's asking for it? What is it like to work with you, to be your coworker? What is it like to be friends with you? Would those around you say that you're a person of grace and forgiveness if so, thank God that He has forgiven you and modeled grace in your life so that you can give that grace to others. If not, then you need to examine your life to know whether or not you've truly known the forgiveness of God in the first place. Because the assumption of the Scriptures, the assumption in this, in the, in the, in this prayer, the assumption in the parable is that those who have received forgiveness from God will then go out and be people of forgiveness and grace. Ask yourself, examine yourself to see whether or not you know that forgiveness and have made that forgiveness known to others through your own life. In the last petition, we see that we are dependent on God for our pursuit of a holy life. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, there's some acknowledgments before we can even have the ability to say that prayer right there. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's some grace that already has to be worked worked in our life. And one of those is the realization that God has set a path for us. To make this request of God is to have been given grace to recognize that God is in charge. As creator, he has set forth boundaries we are to walk as Christians. Culture does not set the boundaries god does and they are unchanging it is to be the goal of my life it should be the goal of all of our lives to please god that's what the scripture says whether i'm at home or away i make it my goal to please him to walk the path that that he has for me that he wants for me and secondly it's it's a A realization that you have an obligation to live your life according to that path. As my Creator, my Savior, I have an obligation to fight, to stay on the path of holiness that He has created for me. Oftentimes, the previous request of of asking God to forgive us for certain sins is really kind of the doorway into this next request of, Hey God, now that I've asked forgiveness for some of this stuff that I did yesterday, can you help me today that I would avoid that temptation? That I would be someone that that, that, that stays away, that doesn't even get close to those temptations, if at all possible. It's an acknowledgement, God, that, that God, I want to I please you. I want to run away from the things that displease You. I'm praying, God, help me to walk a path that will lead me away from those temptations and lead me to You. And we acknowledge, we also, are, if we pray that, have been graced with the, the understanding that there are dangers all around me. Right? You, don't pray, you don't pray for a safe journey without the realization that there's, that there's danger. There's danger all around. That, that we are not yet who we will be. That, that I've not yet been glorified. So there remains in me an old man, an old sinful man, or, or old sinful woman who desires to take me off the path of righteousness. And also, the, the world has not been made new. And, right? So the, the prayer that we're, we've prayed, that, that His will would be done across the world, that's not happening yet. And so there's dangers out there. So we make this request with an acknowledgement that there is evil inside of me that is drawn like a magnet to the evil outside of me. It's an acknowledgment, God, that I, I am drawn to evil. I have evil inside of me that is magnetic towards the evil that is out there. The two truths we much realize on these, along these lines is that God does not tempt us. God doesn't tempt us james 1:13 says let no one say when he is tempted i'm being tempted by god for god cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire satan tempts us our own desires tempt us the world around us tempts our evil hearts god doesn't tempt us to sin With that being said, God may allow us to be tempted. God may allow our paths at times to go near temptation, but He governs those temptations. And in this request is the acknowledgement that our hearts desire to be holy. And so God, if you can today, just steer me away from any and all temptation. That doesn't mean that at times He's not going to allow your path to come across temptation. Jesus allowed Satan to tempt his very own son. And God will allow us at times to encounter temptation. But he will govern those temptations. What I mean by that is described in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So we've got two promises there that that even when God allows your path to get near temptation, God says, I will never lead you near a temptation that is uncommon. I'll never put you under uh, temptation that is, that is not common to everyone. And along with that he says I'll not put you in temptation that is beyond your ability to resist. So it will... The temptation will be common and according to each of our ability. And the temptation that our path, that he brings our path by, will always provide an escape route. There's always going to be an escape route. There's always going to be an option to go around that temptation, to go away from that temptation, to get away from it. Those are the promises of God. So we can never ever as christians okay i'm saying that as christians we can never say i couldn't help myself because that's that's calling god a liar when he says every temptation in our life will be uh common and according to our ability and every temptation will have a way out so none of us can ever say that we sin because we want to sin we sin because we let the old man have control and the old woman have control But we, with daily daily acknowledgement of our dependence on God as we face temptation, can be people that face temptation and get away from it. What a great promise. And, but it only comes through daily dependence and prayer uh, to God. In closing, everything that we will ever need In our lives, has been purchased through Christ's death on the cross. He purchased everything needed to sustain our lives until He is done with us and calls us home. Yet, He desires us to daily have dependence to ask for those things. Though the atonement, though through the atonement, He purchased forgiveness for every sin we have committed and will ever commit, yet He desires us daily to confess those sins so our daily relationship with Him is unhindered. You know what's what's awesome about asking forgiveness from God is that we never have to wonder where that forgiveness is going to come from. Like we don't have to wonder, is He going to do it All we have to do is say, God, these are the things that I've done. And I ask Your forgiveness for them. And I thank You for the cross. There's never any doubt. How's God going to make this sin right? It's through the cross. How's He going to grant me forgiveness? It's through the cross. So it lends all kind of strength to our request of forgiveness because we know exactly where that forgiveness comes from. Through the cross, Jesus purchased every tool we would ever need to escape temptation and avoid sin. Yet He wants us to come to Him daily and commit ourselves to living lives that please Him. Because the best thing about life is not what He gives us but Himself. It's Him. So that's why He calls us to daily dependence in everything. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. We're going to have a time of invitation. Um, After that, we're going to move. uh, We'll we'll take up another offering, and then we're going to move into uh, time of communion. And what a great connection that, that we would speak on dependence on God on the day when we are to be reminded through the taking in of the elements, our dependence on Him. This is what we do. This is is why we come to the table often and remember that we are absolutely dependent upon the grace and work of Christ. So I ask you to prepare your hearts as you stand. Prepare your hearts for that time, for that moment uh, of uh, taking the Lord's Supper and also just basic uh, dependence in your life for, uh, for God. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, as we move into a time of invitation, God, I pray that we would respond. That we would think about where our lives are lacking in dependence, whether it's time of prayer or it's prayers that, that are governed by the way God has told us Pray the way Jesus has modeled us to pray, God. Help us to see deficiencies in our life, and then desire to make changes. To apply God's words and Jesus's prayer to our lives. God, move in our hearts this morning.